0: Welcome to FCAT After School, a podcast project from SFU's faculty of communication, art, and technology. In each episode, we join student hosts in conversation with alumni as they explore career journeys since graduation and gather advice for the next generation. On this episode of After School, Digital Media Master's student, Marshall McCann, sits down with alumni Vic Ong, now Pipeline Technical Director at Braun Studios, a motion picture company based right here in Burnaby, B.C. The duo unpack Vic's non-linear path towards a career in software development and the leaps it took along the way. If you don't know what a technical director is, don't worry, we'll dive into that and the rest of Vic's globe-spanning journey from making smart mattresses, to keeping roller coasters safe, to constructing tools for game engines. Here are FCAT's own Marshall McCann and Vic Ong.
1: Hi, Vic. Thanks for Hi. joining me today on the podcast.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Before we begin, uh, I was thinking just a bit of who are you, You know, what do you like to do, and uh, where are you working right now?
2: Yeah, for sure. Currently, I'm a software engineer building tools for uh, the animation and VFX industry. I'm currently working as a pipeline technical director at Bronze Studios. And what I do essentially is I help build tools, help build software tools to allow artists to make their movie magic. So um, that's something that I, I think is really interesting and currently shifted to this. And we'll see how that goes. Okay.
1: And so just to like give a hard example for the people out there who have just never heard of a pipeline technical director, which I feel like anyone who's not in animation or, or in games doesn't know what that is. So. A hard example is maybe what an artist has an issue of some sort with the the software that you're, they're using, and you do what?
2: So, for instance, um, let's say a, an artist as in a 3D modeler who is trying to build, um, let's say, a character to be used in animation. So they'll have to use um, some kind of a 3D modeling software, like, for example, Maya. So you would build it, the asset, Uh, or the character, and somehow this needs to communicate seamlessly with another tool that other artists are using. Um, For instance, to actually build the shots or the sequences that you see in the animation, Bronze Studio uses Unreal Engine to build their sequences. So somehow the assets from Maya needs to transfer seamlessly to Unreal Engine, and we have our own uh, custom pipeline that allows us to uh, do this. Um, smoothly to be able to transfer the data smoothly. And so this in between processes is what tools that technical directors would be uh, developing to help ease the whole process.
1: And so we know each other and and I know that you have a a, a pretty significant and turbulent journey getting to this point. like you've <laughs> kind of been all around the world and you've tried some different stuff, you've been at different companies. And I think it's really valuable for people to, to hear that story. Um, and so I think I kind of want to start way back um, before you left Malaysia, maybe at the end of high school. And, and I, I kind of, I know that, you know, there's a bit of cooking, a bit of culinary arts that were potentially uh, the plan. How does one go from like, oh, I'm going to potentially do culinary arts school to I'm going to be a mechanical engineer in Minnesota? Where does that sort of transition happen? Um, and, and that big decision to, to go abroad as well.
2: So initially, I was looking into chemical engineering, actually, because um, at the time in Malaysia, oil and gas was a, a really big fuel and it's really popular among uh, the, in, in the engineering um, area. And so I went into thinking that I was going to major in chemical engineering. But after I took my first um, uh, chemistry class um, in college, I just thought, Nah, that's not happening. Um, (laughs) um, But out of that semester, though, I did find physics to be something uh, that I could catch on to a lot better. So I thought maybe mechanical engineering would be nice because I wanted to go into robotics. So that's kind of how it started. Um, And you you mentioned about me uh, landing in Minnesota. That's because the program that I enrolled in is called American degree transfer program in some university. And so essentially what a what program is, it's a start your two years of your degree of your bachelor's in, in Malaysia and okay. then the next two years in uh, Minnesota. So That's kind of how I transferred to Minnesota.
1: Okay, I see. I didn't, I didn't know that you had that bridge from a university in Malaysia first. So that's, that's cool. I feel like that, that makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> how <do you laughs> yeah. make that massive transition? And so when you're at Minnesota and you're sort of starting to to see the possibilities of mechanical engineering, what were some of the, the first ideas of where you might work? What came on your radar first?
2: Definitely robotics. I would say that's going to be the, that was the first one when I was in my uh, junior year. And then I started looking a lot more into product, design actually, or, or design engineering, um, so to speak. The reason why I got into that is because um, I took a decided to take a minor in product design and that sort of allowed me to explore how to innovate creatively. And I, I was learning that in parallel with mechanical engineering. So with that combined, that kind of lead, lead me to, to think about uh, design engineering. So that was actually my, the, the first track that I went into because I got an internship at a uh, bed company called Select Comfort. And I was an, an in, a design engineering intern there develop, uh, developing um, their next generation um, bed system uh, for a smart bed 360 for sleep number. Um, funny enough, like, I think three years later when I left, um, that smart 360 actually ended up being showcased in a CES, uh, 360, um, show. It was uh, kind of wild. Oh, that's
1: so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did, I did not know this, this piece of history. <laughs> that was some mechanical engineering. <laughs> it's like the, the best application for it. You do this intern, this small internship with the mattress bed company. You're sort of coming into that
2: fourth year. Where do you go from there? So on my fourth year, I sort of got a little um, a concern. I knew that I was going to be looking for jobs in the States. I didn't want to go back to Malaysia. So really, I was only looking in, in, uh, in the U.S. And finding a job in the U.S. as a foreigner isn't exactly um, the easiest thing out there. So... I I just started applying to a lot, a lot of places. So I was thinking that I wanted to do product design still. And I thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool if I able to, if I'm able to, I don't know, design roller coasters um, and things like this. So obviously the first thing that came to my mind was Disney. And so I so one of the companies that I applied to was Disney as well. Funny enough, I out of like almost 50 companies that I applied to, I only got two offers. Uh, it's, it's a robotics company and Disney. And so, uh, of course I chose Disney.
1: <laughs> you spoke of a little bit of, I kind of want to touch on that product design course. Cause I feel like that's maybe your first entrance into like, Oh, I can use my engineering background to, to work with something like pretty substantial and, and help designers kind of create something, um, tangible with with their ideas and also you know if you have your own idea you can create it it feels like that that uh course was pretty impactful for like you know not only disney but the rest of the stuff that you've done since would you say that
2: yeah definitely so i i definitely have to give props to uh, the professor who actually um, taught me a lot of things in there, and his name is Dr. Barry Kadrovitz. And so he's thing today. He is the the director of the College of Design in the University of Minnesota. Um, and so he created this course called um, Toy Design. And in in this Toy Design course, which is the final project of my minor in Product Design, we essentially learn to build toys. Uh, and so in in this project, um, one of the biggest thing I learned is practical design thinking. So, I mean, if you are in a design background, or arts background, you might have heard, you might have definitely taken uh, design thinking 101. So I learned that for the first time when I minored uh, in product design. And during the toy design classes, when we learned to how to use that, use that design thinking framework to actually apply it in a more practical sense. And so we, Decided to uh, do that. And that allows me to learn a lot of things, such as how do you actually brainstorm properly in a multidisciplinary team? Um, How do you actually select properly? um, What kind of methods you can use to drill down or refine your ideas? And how can you verify them? How can you validate them? And how can you test and iterate it properly? And so I learned a lot about that. And yes, uh, so. That actually carried on throughout my uh, career, actually, even till today. So in Disney, particularly, I learned a lot of the things that I try to bring into to the team at Disney was what I learned when I did my uh, my course with with Doctor Barry Cutter. Uh, he's uh, he's amazing, and even till today, I still have all of his slides on design thinking, and still use it every now and then to to do brainstorming or. L- Just figure out how to innovate properly uh, within the team.
1: Yeah, and I feel like that comes in into use, especially now where you're working with modelers who are kind of like, obviously, some of that design's already figured out for them. But being able to have that communication with them and having those conversations where you're you're able to figure out what their issue is or what their what that solution is in the software when you need to build it.
2: Hundred percent.
1: Yeah, I feel like that kicks in in that moment. So you're in the the cold winters of Minnesota, and then you uh, make this transition down to the to the sunny weather of Orlando. And what is your role when
2: you're at Disney? So uh, when I was in Disney, I work as a sustaining engineering intern, and I work in the design engineering department within the parks all parks technology team. And so one of my main job that I have here is, when I was in Disney, is to create data models to predict failures for the attractions in all the four theme parks. Well, six theme parks, actually, for dry parks and two wet parks. And so over there, I did a lot of uh, data modeling, and which is, by the way, not mechanical engineering, funny enough. Um, it was, I guess, more of data analytics. Uh, so I actually didn't end up doing um, design engineering, ended up doing data, data analytics uh, and a lot of data modeling. And when I was doing that, there are some things that I learned um, over there throughout my, my degree that helps me. Like, for example, how sensors work uh, in a roller coaster. Like, I, I knew that through to my bachelor's degree. But uh, having that knowledge while wanting to do, uh, having interest in doing data analytics, really, really helps me. Um, in in this role. And then at the same time, um, that's when I learned about softwares. I started coding in SQL and Python when I was doing data modeling over there. Uh, And that really triggered a lot of uh, interest in in software development. So that's actually where my my passion in software development starts because I get to do that uh, while doing data analytics. And that really sparked a lot of interest in me. And so what I did over there then is I just said to talk to my boss and says, hey, I am really interested in software development. And I feel like we can maybe figure out a way to automate um, all these things that I've been doing. Maybe I could try to build a prototype or something. Um, she agreed to let me try it and give me um, an opportunity to learn coding and implement it. And so, yeah, so that was how uh, it all started. Because my uh, manager at the time gave me the green light, uh, she basically opened the door for me um, into becoming a software engineer today.
1: <laughs> I'm wondering, uh, you know, that moment where you're, you're learning all this stuff, why didn't you stay at Disney after? You know, why does it kind of end there?
2: Not, not only uh, Disney's uh, at the time weren't able to uh, do the sponsorship for juniors, they also weren't set up to uh, allow international students to apply for the STEM extension. So international students um, who just graduated uh, will always have a one-year work permit. If you're in the STEM field, you can also uh, extend another two years um, of work. But given that the the company adheres to this um, certain set of rules, and so Disney was not one of them. And unfortunately, um, so a year was was the only time that I could spend at Disney. Yeah.
1: And so just out of the blue, you know, would you have stayed there
2: had, had you been able to? Definitely. I, I love my time when I wasn't working at Disney. (laughs) (laughs) I know that, but the listeners don't know that.
1: (laughs) And so, you know, you're finished up there and, and you're kind of looking around and you're saying, well, maybe I don't have, you know, I don't have the visa
2: yet. Um and I don't have the sponsorship. So what do you do? I uh, what I had to do at the time was to make sure I can find a company who does um who allows me to apply for the STEM extension. Started applying to a lot, a lot of jobs. And then um I landed a job opportunity in Hawaii. Yeah, it's pretty pretty wild that I of all of all the places that I got, I got a software engineering position um in Hawaii. So I said, sure, why not? I guess let's make another move now from Florida um, to Hawaii. So I just packed my bags again, um, fly to uh, Hawaii, and then ship my car across to the island.
1: (laughs) So you're, you're doing software development in Hawaii. What companies or company are you working at?
2: So it is a consulting company called Data House Consulting. What they do essentially is they are are sort of like a software consultancy firm. Uh, What they do is they they provide software services, um, implementation services, or just consultancy services uh, in Hawaii. And would you
1: say that this is like your first full-time software development position? I mean, I know Disney was sort of like half and half in a way. This is your first full-time software development role, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, it is cool. And was there any kind of like speed bumps getting up to? I don't know. I guess like the expectation of a full time software developer.
2: Uh, there definitely is to some degree. I definitely when I started joining the company uh, and I thought to myself, man, what if I what if I got myself into uh, this is like really hard, <laughs> uh, you know? Because when you get to be a full a full um, time software engineer. It sort of comes with some expectation that you do know how to know certain you know you do know how to do certain things uh, by yourself, right? And so that was there were definitely a lot of things that I needed to brush up, you know, because what I was trying to do is well, people studied for four years um, in their bachelors, and I learned by myself while I was at Disney for like a year. So there's definitely a lot of things to catch up besides just knowing the like Python and JavaScript, right? Um, I needed to know um, a lot more on like, what are some of the uh, good software uh, coding practices? What are some of the um, software design um, principles? What some of the algorithms that would make things more efficient? So a lot of things to catch up, Uh, but uh, yeah, I powered through all that. And uh, I guess it it worked out. (laughs) (laughs) And
1: so how long were you in Hawaii? at that
2: point? It's, it's close to one and a half years, I would say. Okay.
1: And why does that end after
2: one and a half years? The growth just wasn't there. So I made the choice to leave a couple of months earlier before my uh, visa ends. And I left the States and went, to, went back to Malaysia to take a job as a, as a senior software engineer at an e-commerce firm.
1: I mean, I, I feel like this moment would have been really tough for you. You, you know, made this huge transition overseas. Did you have any expectations that you would end up back in Malaysia? Did you want to go back to Malaysia at that point?
2: Yeah, no, I I think going back to Malaysia was definitely the last thing that was on my mind. When I left from Malaysia to, to the U.S. to for, for my studies, I really wanted to stay there. And...
1: I guess uh, how long were you working in Malaysia at that point? Uh,
2: not too long I would say <laughs> I would say it's about it's about a year. I worked in Malaysia for about a year and then my I had this like uh, annual performance review call with my manager. And, and so so this e-commerce firm is based in Taiwan. And so when he gave me when, when we had this like performance review uh, meeting, one-on-one meeting, he, he thought that I did well and gave me a choice and asked, "Hey, you know, it's uh, it's kind of crazy, but would you be down to relocate to Taiwan to be part of like the, the the core team?" And I just said yes.
1: Yeah, and while you were working there, you know, at this software development company, were you were you kind of making that, you know, transition to like working with designers to to talk about how the product should be developed, or is it more separated than that?
2: I think just because it was just a, a much larger team that I work in. And so I didn't have, um, I don't have too much say over the whole design or over the whole um, infrastructure. I do have some ownership and some say, but only in the, in the areas that I was working on.
1: <laughs> and we begin the next leap <laughs> to, to Vancouver yes, and the Center for Digital Media. Okay, and so I'm really interested in what drew you about the Center for Digital Media program as a software developer, as a, an engineering background, with all this history behind you, you looked at the Center for Digital Media and said what in your brain when you first looked at it?
2: The coolest thing that I, that I saw in, in the CDN um, program was the fact that it is project-based and it's not necessarily uh, thesis-based. Um, so that's one thing that uh, it was really appealing to me because I've spent so much time um, working in the industry that maybe I didn't want too much of um, writing. And so that seems to be a, a perfect one. The second thing was that it reminded me of my minor in product design, and which, which I love and appreciate dearly. And so a combination of that made me take that offer and move to Canada for
1: those listening who don't know what the Center for Digital Media is, in the Center for Digital Media, you have projects for each semester. And so that means that Vic did three projects. So uh, instead of going through each one, I guess, which projects do you think had the most relevant and uh, applicable skills that you
2: learned to your job now? Like what was the most helpful in becoming a, a Pipeline TD? I would say definitely my last project, which was in third term of the master's degree. What we ended up doing is that we partner with a uh, client in Vancouver, a startup in Vancouver, actually. And so this startup is sort of like Netflix, who creates uh, a streaming platform uh, for independent creators. And so what they want to do with the Center for Digital Media, with our team, is to... So we sort of act as like one of the, the studio who's going to be creating a animated short as a pilot for the uh, streaming platform. And so that's kind of basically what we do. The interesting part is that this animated short has to be interactive and, and rendered in real time. Pretty crazy, pretty interesting. Um, and I don't think it has really ever been done in a more practical manner before. There probably is, but... Uh, I don't think it, it has come to a very optimized stage yet. So right now, it's still a very experimental industry or, or I guess, area to go to, I would say. Um, real-time rendering, interactive animated short. And so that was kind of our project. And over there, I learned a lot about Unreal Engine, how to use Unreal Engine to create real-time animation, as well as just because I in, in that program, I work with artists, writers uh, a lot, and program managers a lot. And so... I need to make sure that I can create the tools and the workflows that allows um, artists, writers, and, and designers to work together really well. And so uh, that was kind of my role. My role is basically similar to a technical director, uh, which is uh, what I currently do right now. Guess that kind of definitely helped me get the job there.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I think something of note here is that you hadn't worked in media prior to coming to the CDM at any point, right? Not at Disney you know, was there a light that clicked on and, and you were like, yeah, I, I love this side of things. I like working with creators. I, I I think that you had the chance to work with so many at the Center for Digital Media. Do you think that light bulb did click on, as, especially even in that third semester?
2: Yeah, so this is this is the strange part that has come uh, uh, for me in my life. After accepting that program, I looked into what's in Vancouver. And then I realized that film animation and games is is a big industry uh in Vancouver and i'm a movie buff i love movies i love animations and so it, somehow it just clicks and it comes together at that point i think yeah
1: <laughs> yeah and, and i think for anybody looking at your story I, I hope it just shows that the path to to a new skill set isn't linear and it might come in places that you don't expect it and you sort of just have to to take that leap sometimes and, and find out and continue to grow. And I think that's where you get to find the, the real golden moments. And even if you get kicked out of a country once or twice.
2: <laughs> Definitely.
1: <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's all I have, Vic. And I really appreciate you coming in and speaking on the podcast. Do you have any final words for some undergrads or grads looking at software development as a potential future?
2: I mean, obviously everyone has like their, their dream company that they want to work for. That should be your number two priority and not aiming, not having dream companies being the first priority, because what's most important is that whether or not you can find a company that allows you to grow in the direction that you want to, that you always dreamed dream of. Maybe you didn't get uh, to work in your real company today. But if you are growing in the right direction that you want to, you will eventually get there. Or maybe when when you go when you grow in that direction that you want to, maybe at a time you've learned that your your dream company has changed, and that's completely okay. But most importantly is when you look back, you know that you're learning all the right things and you're going through the right learning path. And I think that's uh, definitely should be number one priority.
1: Well, thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Interested in learning more about the FCAT community? Stay tuned for a brand new episode of FCAT After School, eating your feed every other Wednesday this season. A big thanks to Vic Ong for joining us here on the show. You'll find links to resources mentioned and more info on Vic and the Center for Digital Media MA program in the show notes. Our host for this episode was Marshall McCann production by Marshall, and me, Stacey Copeland. FCAT After School respectfully acknowledges the Musqueam, Squamish, Swaylatooth, Katsy, Kwikwitlam, Kakite, Kwantlen, Semiamu, and Tawassan peoples on whose unceded traditional territories our three campuses reside, and where many of the stories shared in this series take place. Make sure to rate us and subscribe FCAT After School in your podcast app of choice, so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. And you can follow us on social media at FCAT at SFU. That's F-C-A-T at SFU on Twitter and Instagram. See you next time.